Hear the word of our Lord from Hebrews chapter 13, beginning in the fourth verse. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Hear the word of our Lord again from Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 22. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, welcome back to our Sex and Marriage series here at the Very Lutheran Project. And we haven't shied away from saying some things that the church often isn't willing to say. Oh, I'm sure that pastors out there in their winkles will be able to talk about some harsh truths among each other, but there's a common understanding that you just don't bring this up in the church context. Maybe, maybe in a counseling context, your average pastor is willing to bring up some cold, hard facts. For instance, yes, your sexual history matters when it comes to your spouse, and you need to be open and honest with them and make it up to them if you've had past indiscretions. If you think you shouldn't have to do that and the past doesn't matter, I am here to tell you that you are likely to get divorced. How about another one? Four young men that desperately want a woman in their life, one is not going to fall into your lap. They are not going to knock on your door one day and say, Hi, I'm a stranger, let's get married. In fact, if a woman did do that, I would say you should probably say no, because she likely doesn't have the best intentions for you. You gotta go on a treasure hunt. If a wife is a treasure, go on an adventure and get your treasure. Third one, here's a big one out there. You should be attractive for your spouse. I don't care what excuses you have. I don't care how busy you are. I don't care what your work hours are like, or if you think that the ring on your finger means you don't have to try anymore. If you do that, you rest on your laurels, you let that belly pouch keep expanding, your posture is terrible, and you're not really doing anything in bed, you are introducing temptation into your poor beleaguered spouse's life. It is good to exercise and take care of the body that belongs to your husband or to your wife. I know people will say, oh, that's so fleshly. Oh, that's so worldly. How could you be so cruel? No, the cruel thing to say is you are perfect just the way you are and you don't have to try so hard. You don't have to do anything like that. Your husband or your wife should just give it up when you want or should never ask or whatever the case may be in your marriage. 
That's introducing temptation. No wonder so many spouses stray. To not take care of your body and to not make sure that the marriage bed is taken seriously is a failure to love your spouse. Now, obviously, how your marriage is going and what is going on in the bedroom is none of my business unless you come to me for pastoral counseling on these matters. But... While there is a great deal of freedom between husbands and wives and how they express these things, how they take care of themselves, etc., it is still nonetheless true that you owe it to each other, per the covenant of marriage. Now, just like these other things, today's topic is a harsh truth, something counterintuitive for a lot of people. Others will not be so surprised. And that topic is frenemies. A friend and an enemy. Frenemy. I'm sure you've heard of them. In every marriage, there are people outside of the marriage with whom we have normal relationships, whether that is family or friend. A girl has her group of friends. A guy has his co-workers. There are in-laws to be contended with, and so forth. And for each one of these groups, it is very clear that some of them are friends, some of them end up being enemies, and others are frenemies. What do I mean by that? If you have a good working relationship with your boss, dear husband, if you have a great work life and your boss starts asking you to come into the office more often, he is doing something that might hurt your marriage. He might be a great guy. Who knows? Maybe you go golfing with him every now and then. But something got into his head that you could be doing more. You could be a more efficient employee. And your 8-hour workday becomes a 10-hour workday. Meaning you have less time with your wife. Now, sure, that might be good for your pocketbook, and maybe your employer has a good idea in mind. It's a win-win situation for him. He gets more productivity out of you, you put in that extra work, and you get more money in your pocket, or you get some other benefit, a better chance at a promotion later on. But there is the hidden cost of less time with your spouse, less time with your family, and that can hurt a marriage. Remember, when you get married, dear husbands, you have to love your wife as Christ loves the church. Your career, your aspirations, your goals, all that stuff has to come in third place. God is number one priority, and then your highest earthly priority is your wife and children particularly your wife, even over your children. You have to love her as Christ loves the church, and he maximizes time for you, beloved, so you must do the same for your spouse. When it comes to work hours, it's good to say to your boss, hey, that's a great offer, but you know my wife needs me at home more often, and I'd like to keep my same hours. Maybe you're giving up an opportunity for promotion, Maybe you're giving up that opportunity to become a multi-gajillionaire or something when you're 50, but your wife needs you at home, and she needs your support. If you can provide for her as breadwinner 
without having to take those super long days, then you should do it. And of course, guys will have friends that want to hang out all the time and maybe they want you to be a drinking buddy or something on the weekends and they want you to, well, okay, it is good to have friends, but you cannot have that take priority over your time with your spouse. And the same goes for wives and their friends. However, women's friends are often a more dangerous frenemy. I doubt that there is anybody listening to this that hasn't seen this before on social media. A woman complains that her husband has been slacking off a little, and sometimes she gets just so frustrated with him. She says this on Facebook, and the next thing you know, a whole bunch of her friends have blocked her husband and then commented on that post saying, this is abuse, you need to leave him. Oh my goodness, you talk about any sort of marital trouble whatsoever on Facebook or Twitter, and you always run the risk of the swarm of Valkyries coming in to slay your marriage, egging you on more and more to feel dissatisfaction with that husband of yours. Even if they're good friends, here they are, plotting to destroy the relationship that you worked hard to grow, to bond with this man. But they don't care. It seems to me that a lot of these friends of wives have it in themselves to destroy the marriage out of a thirst for drama. Or perhaps they miss their friend being around all the time. Maybe there is a woman who has been through a divorce herself and her first inclination is to encourage more divorce because she has been fed this idea from the Duluth model of abuse that everything is abuse. And after all, maybe this other friend of hers could get the same kind of cash and prizes, the same sympathies. Maybe I won't feel so alone anymore if I have a fellow divorcee to commiserate with. Either way, anytime you complain about your marriage in public, chances are you're going to find out who your real friends are. And a lot of the people who you thought were your friends are actively trying to get you to destroy your life. Such is the power of a frenemy. It also happens when a wife's girlfriends want to go out to the club. Now, chances are, if you're listening to this, you're not the type of person that likes to go out dancing for no reason. But there are women out there who, they're married to a man, and her friends invite her to the club. Let's go out dancing, have a couple cocktails. It's no big deal, right? Such friends are frenemies. Oh, they want to be friends with you. They like having a good time hanging out with you, going on little nighttime adventures. But they are enemies to you because they want you to put your marriage and your chastity at risk. What good comes from being alone in a club? Oh, sure, maybe you have a wedding ring on, but there are single men out there that see that as a challenge, not a barrier. And then you add alcohol, you add any sort of inebriation, and suddenly you lose a lot of the self-control that says no to an attempt at seducing you. Don't go to clubs or bars 
without your spouse. It's pretty darn simple. But there are friendly enemies or frenemies, however you want to put it, that actively want to put you in that spot, in the, that situation of temptation. What do you do? What do you do when you complain about something on Facebook and they start descending onto your comments telling you that it's abuse? What do you do when they invite you into a situation that is not exactly safe for a marriage? Situations like that should be prevented first. Spouses should talk to each other plainly, openly, constant communication rather than complaining about their marriages over social media. Unless a spouse is asking for help from a longtime friend, from a family member or a pastor or something, the state of their marriage is nobody's business. It really should be between you and your spouse and if you're trying to get some help or some assistance with some hard knot of a disagreement or something, then your spouse should know about it. Hey, I'm going to go talk to the pastor about this disagreement of ours. Is that okay? Uh, hey, you know what? Beverly, she's always been a clear and even thinker. She can give us great advice. That is the context in which an outsider gets to know about your marriage. For everybody else, unless it's good news, positive stuff you're putting out there, then chances are that negative stuff is none of their business. It stays between you and your spouse. Now, every friend has the potential to become a frenemy. Not everybody has the complete insight into your life that your spouse is supposed to have, so anybody's friends, their employers, their co-workers might just make the wrong call. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that every single one of your friends or your co-workers or your boss is secretly some two-faced manipulator that's just dying to see your marriage destroyed. But because they don't know, a lot of their good intentions can have bad results. To protect against this, a husband and a wife need to put their marriage first. Before their kids, before their friends, before their co-workers, even before their blood relatives. That has to be the priority. And before saying anything or going anywhere, it's got to be run by the better half. Or, at least, they need to know what's going on. You are accountable to your spouse. Your spouse is the most important human being in your life. Period. This has to be taken into account. Anybody else that is a friend, or in the category of friend, has the potential to become an enemy or a frenemy, given the right circumstances. For the sake of your relationship with your friends and your family and your co-workers and your boss and everybody else, don't give them the opportunity to become a frenemy or an enemy. Now that said, there is also the issue of in-laws, and here is where we get into a thornier situation. Over the past five years of doing marriage counseling quite frequently, the issue of in-laws is different between men 
and women. A husband that is weak-willed and spineless will have the kind of relationship with his mother, you know, his wife's mother-in-law, where he just kind of does whatever she wants. Or, alternatively, she is interloping to take care of all sorts of things in their lives that is unwelcome to the wife. And a husband's father is more likely to be distant. He's not going to be as involved, even though his help would be greatly appreciated at times. Leaving a wife to feel often very frustrated by this. And confused. Because her husband is supposed to honor his father and his mother, which means love, respect, and obey. But with an overbearing mother-in-law, a woman might see her husband become squishy. He's not being the real man that she fell in love with. He's not being assertive. He's not saying no when no needs to be said. Now, it's right for a wife to feel that way if a husband is too much of a mama's boy. Yes, he is supposed to honor his mother, but he is not commanded to love his mother as Christ loves the church. The wife is supposed to be the beneficiary of that command. A man is supposed to leave his father and his mother, cleave unto his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, one unit of humanity, one life knit together from two. That wife has to be his number one priority, and that means sometimes telling his mother, no, I can't help you out with these errands today. I'm sorry my wife and I were going to spend the day together. Normally I would, and next time I will, but I want to be with my woman. Easy. Easy enough. As for a wife's parents, I've seen on several different occasions in which a husband's in-laws, his wife's family, I've seen it several times where they actively sabotage the marriage. They try to peel the wife away for various family get-togethers, where then they start inserting questions and doubts into the wife's mind about her husband, and they say, oh, he's just so bad. Or, you know, I can he comes off as really aggressive sometimes, or I wish he was there more often for you. Sometimes that is intentional. Sometimes they really just hate their son-in-law, and they want to slowly, passive-aggressively convince the wife to divorce her husband. Because they want their little girl back. Maybe they want what's best for her, but they don't know what the best is. And they've psyched themselves out into thinking that maybe if I destroy her marriage, she will be where I want her to be. They're manipulative. Sometimes they'll abscond with the children, abscond with the wife, and all the good that they should be doing as in-laws, being supportive of their child and their son-in-law, is instead twisted into, I want to support my little girl, so I'm going to tell her what a bum her husband is, what a loser. I'm not going to spend any time with that guy. I'm not going to get to know him. After all, he's sleeping with my daughter. How dare he? Oh yes, this has played out many times. And I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir for some spouses out there 
where you have dealt with this, especially if you grew up in a single parent household, if there was a divorce in your family before you got married, all sorts of things, suddenly your parents become rivals. Now, this isn't exclusive to wives and their parents sabotaging the marriage. This has happened before with husbands and their parents sabotaging the marriage. But in those cases, you got to step up and tell your family no. Hey, I don't like the way you're talking about my husband. Hey, mom, I know what you thought about my wife or whatever boys she dated in the past and how that makes her look. You're not going to talk that way about her around me because I love her and I'm staying with her. What's the point of this talk? After all, we have friends that we're supposed to be friends with. We have our neighbors that we're supposed to love as ourselves. We have our families, our in-laws, whom we are supposed to love and honor, respect and obey to the best of our abilities. That's the fourth commandment. But your marriage comes first. And the moment you get a whiff of that passive-aggressive behavior or overtly aggressive behavior, as they go from friend to frenemy, the thing to do is confront that immediately. The thing to do is to say, this marriage is my priority. I'd appreciate it if you don't talk that way about my spouse. I'd appreciate it if you don't try to get into our business for what might be wrong with us. Maybe you have a confidant that you can go to with the bad news or the tough stuff that you can trust will not try to sabotage your relationship. Such a person is a treasure of a person, whether that's a friend, coworker, or brother, or father, etc. But the moment such a person starts giving you that bad advice that harms your relationship, you need to tell them to stop it. And instead of listening to them, communicate with your spouse. There should be no human being that you talk to more than your husband or your wife. Not one. Nobody on planet Earth should receive more words from your mouth or text messages from your phone than your spouse. Hands down, nobody is subject to that kind of deep friendship in addition to the romantic and agape love that you share for each other in marriage. Nobody. And if you protect your marriage this way, you guard it with your life and with your words, you'll be a lot better off. It's one of the secrets to longevity. Now that's a negative thing, something to watch out for when it comes to preserving a marriage. Next week, we're going to talk about some positive things to do to preserve a marriage. Because it turns out that your marriage is like a living being. It needs to be fed, it needs to be cared for, it needs to be nurtured, just like a human being. And after all, if you are one life, one flesh together, then you need to feed each other, take care of each other together as one person. And that means servicing the marriage, doing regular maintenance on it, taking care of it. We're going to start that next week. But until then, our Lord bless you and keep you. Amen and amen.